0: It was through COSMIC essentially, so the doing all those physician interviews, and that was crucial to how we've converged to our design as well. Talking to the physicians, talking to nurses, talking to RTs, because it is a new technology, there's not a lot of published research on it. So the only way we could really get feedback on it was by showing people and um, getting their feedback directly. And the people's feedback we took kind of at the highest rank was those nurses, those RTs that were dealing directly with the patient um, in terms of usability. So they're the ones that are handling it. Um, They're the ones that are actually administering it. So getting their feedback and making sure that the nurses and RTs are happy, that's how we determined what
1: features we want to incorporate within the hood. How would you turn a device that you helped develop into an open source way to help COVID patients breathe into an economically viable health tech company. Welcome back to How It's Med, the podcast, where we chat with people shaping the future of health tech and healthcare. On this pod, we chat with system shapers, founders, inventors, funders, and so, so many more people who are making sure that we can live long, healthy lives Long into the future. This summer round, we rejoin a conversation with Arpin Grover, the CEO of Clarivent, a company that is hoping to find new ways to help those in severe respiratory distress read, can't breathe, breathe comfortably again when they're in distress. Let's get started. We, we've we talked a little bit about the impacts that the Clarivent, I guess, process um, has had on your education, but could you really simply, as you would describe to a five-year-old, tell us what exactly Clarivent does? Mm -hmm. So we're making a
0: big bubble that surrounds a patient's head and it connects to a flow, a source of air. Um, That could be a ventilator. It could be just uh, airflow from uh, a wall. But the goal is to provide oxygen and pressure to help someone breathe. And this could be, uh, it, it, the main use right now is in the intensive care unit. So intensive care units are, as you know, but uh, some people might not know, is where very critically ill patients go. And it, it th- this device would be used in cases where patients' lungs will be failing. So they're having, very hard time breathing, and they just need that extra added support. So this bubble creates this environment uh, around the patient's head.
1: All right, Bab, Do and any follow-up me. questions or keep having to myself. my So, how did you get the, the pressure part done? I'm actually kind of curious.
0: Yeah. So the there's a valve at the end. Um, I don't have one here. But it's a, it's a resistance valve. So you just turn it and there's a spring in there and it controls the amount of airflow that goes out of the hood. And that creates a a pressure within the hood. So does that make sense? So it's all mechanical. (laughs) It's all mechanical. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So
0: it's a spring that controls like this, um, like this, uh, platform essentially. Which makes it more rigid or looser, where it constricts the airflow going out of it.
1: How do you, okay, sure. How do you cut the <laughs> airflow if it's just a bubble?
0: Uh, so there's like an inflow port, and then the it's just path of least resistance. It ends up going uh, out to outflow. Yeah. That's, that's cool. Yeah. That's so it like fun. goes in, circulates around the hood, and then goes out. Um, And you need to have pretty high flow rates as well to flush out the CO2 within the hood. So, if you could
1: redesign it, how would you? How would you change it?
0: Yeah, I mean that's what we're working on right now. But yeah, <laughs> we're working on a few redesigns. Um, one of them is around the. Well, let me talk about the ones that we're not working on because they they they're kind of. F- like future, future development. The ones we're working on right now, we're not uh, talking about too much until we get patents around it. But there's a few things that we're not immediately working on, but we would like to see in in future hoods. So one of them is around the way it's secured to the patient. So right now, when you have airflow going in, it creates pressure, and the pressure causes a force to push it up. So there needs to be something keeping it down. Um, and right now how we're doing it is to have straps underneath the armpit and that's how the other hoods work as well. And yeah, it, it kind of lifts the, the patient up and not comfortable, causes pressure sores. And especially if you're doing, if they need a higher pressure, then it gets even more uncomfortable. So yeah, some, something around there making it, um, somehow making it more comfortable, but we had some ideas around using like a vest or doing some other way of securing it to the patient or even securing it to something else rather than the patient. But yeah, we're thinking that that would be a great uh, redesign. And then also right now, when you need to put it on a patient, it you need two providers. So like two nurses or um, two RTs to do it because to open up the next seal, you need to have like essentially four hands because if you just do, maybe um, just do it with two hands, then it creates like an oval. You need it to be completely open. So, yeah, somehow making the next seal adjustable or uh, having it, um, yeah, just so one provider can do it, or even maybe no providers <laughs> have a robot come and do it.
1: But how did you come to the conclusion that that's the part that needed fixing?
0: Um, it, it was through cosmic essentially. So the, doing all those physician interviews. And that was crucial to how we've converged to our design as well. Talking to the physicians, talking to nurses, talking to RTs. Because it is a new technology, there's not a lot of published research on it. So the only way we could really get feedback on it was by showing people and, um, getting their feedback directly. And the people's feedback we took kind of at the highest rank was those nurses, those RTs that were dealing directly with the patient um, in terms of usability. So they're the ones that are handling it. Um, they'll, they're the ones that are even actually administering it. So getting their feedback and making sure that the nurses and RTs are happy, that's how we determined what features we want to incorporate within the hood.
1: So you had mentioned that Cosmic is slash was open source so how Mm -hmm. the hell do you patent a technology that's open source or what 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 was the Mm. pathway that you had to take in order to make sure that you could build a company out of technology that you'd previously made open source yeah um honestly we're still trying to figure that out (laughs) because it's
0: yeah when when we started it it was you know open source everyone told us they're like no there's no way you can make a company around this you've already told everyone all your secrets so we thought screw them we can try our best <laughs> and we had seen some business models as well that had done open source technology not in medtech but in other uh, like in software companies uh, like even tesla open source some of its stuff so we've, we've seen it working in other fields and we thought why not why not in med tech? Um, and then we realized the reason it's not possible to create an open source device in Medtech was because you need a large investment to um, get a device to market. And the only way you can get investment is if you have okay, I'm not the only way you can get investment, but the easiest way to get investment is if you have some proprietary technology because of that long road to market. Um and especially because this is a class two medical device, there's certain um requirements we have to meet to get the device to market, which is very cost intensive. So what we decided to do, we tried raising some money and we tried approaching investors and um, going to impact investors and going to the right people. But that was I mean, that was the feedback we got. It's like, you don't really have anything proprietary, like someone's going to steal your technology and people didn't really feel comfortable investing. Um, so this is when we started talking with BCIT. They showed an interest in our technology. We wanted to, um, we, we knew some of the people here and we have had this goal. We're gonna spend eight months and develop something based on the feedback we received during all our testing that we did and develop something proprietary. That is what we've been doing for the past eight months now and now we've we've reached something that's proprietary and then we can get patent. And now we can't patent the functionality of the device and we can't patent the stuff that we've um, published already, but everything we develop now, we will be able to get a patent for. And that's kind of how we've gone around that um, to be open source plus patent to um, eventually, create a, a viable business, but it was kind of a hard reality where you kind of have to secure your technology to get money, unless you're very wealthy and you can invest your own money into it. But if you want to go to any external investors, you pretty much have to have a patent. Um, but that that being said, there's this other company that does open source medical technology, but they don't. They haven't done it for any class two devices. It's only class one. Um, it, there's yet to be an open source class two medical device company. And I think we've, we, we've gotten as close as we can to it where we have an open source version and then a, a patent, patented version as
1: well. That wasn't your only challenge though, because like the, the whole mm-hmm. impetus for developing ClaraVent was COVID. And again, as you said, COVID's not over. But there's much less outspoken media driven demand for ventilators and means to deliver oxygen to people with damaged lungs. So Mm -hmm. now with so many more preventive treatments instead of tertiary quaternary treatments on board or as necessary, uh, then how exactly you're sustaining a business model if the demand seemingly has dried up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we thought the same thing when we. There was like this
0: dry period of six months once COVID was kind of um, handled, and Cosmic was wrapping up. We thought, okay, we've we've done our goal now. COVID's done, and let's let this device die, and let let it live in the open source land. So, yeah, in six months we didn't even think about it. That was from like start of 2021 till till May of 2021, and then during that time the doctors that were a part of COSMIC started reaching out to us. They're like, what's happening? Let's like, is this device ready to use? Like, what can we use it for our patients? And what we found was that even though COVID was drying up, there were so many other indications for, uh, and use cases for this device that the doctors were excited about. And mainly this was for COPD. So chronic obstructive pulmonary disease where patients we will get flare-ups and end up in the ICU for a week to two weeks at a time and then pulmonary edema as well. So these kind of two indications that I, mean, I didn't know about um, being from an engineering background, um, they, kept, they kept coming up whenever the doctors would reach out to us and whenever whenever we do outreach afterwards as well. Because once this initial kind of push came from the doctors that were that were from cosmic it was like no you, you you should develop this device you develop something good like you um even though covid's over like there's still use cases for it then we started reaching out to other doctors as well um just to make sure that it wasn't like a, a cosmic bias and there was actual there's actual demand for it so we started reaching out to other doctors that weren't part of cosmic and same things copd pulmonary edema those are the two big use cases that kept coming up Um, and now that's the market we're really focused on and infectious respiratory, respiratory diseases are also, um, a, a big market, like with COVID still around future respiratory diseases. Um, there's also influenza, tuberculosis. So there's, there is that subset of the market, but it's nowhere near as big as the COPD market and the pulmonary edema market. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we thought it was over as well. And then we realized there's this whole other big market that we inadvertently developed this for.
1: How does your device relate to the competition for COPs? Like what is the current fitment, mm-hmm. and how would your device help change that?
0: Yeah. So right now it's mainly these big face masks that are being used. So they're called sorry, non-invasive ventilation masks or CPAP masks. Um, and they go around the patient's face and they're strapped around the patient's head and it really presses on their face. The main problems with these are claustrophobia and uh, pressure ulcers that people get on their uh, on the sides of their face. And there's I was, I was reading some research on this. It's hard to find a number of intolerance, but um, some studies were showing 30%, some 70%, some even 100% for prolonged usage. Uh, and COPD is where that prolonged usage happens. So I was reading this one study, which showed after 72 hours of usage, 100% of the patients stopped using it because of the discomfort. So. There's, yeah, a lot of discomfort there. So that's like where this helmet idea came from uh, initially. So we, just to give some context, we're not the first people to develop a helmet-based ventilation device. There was one developed back in, in 2002 to solve this problem exactly. Uh, that was developed in Italy. So that's where the inspiration, that's where we drew our inspiration uh, to develop our device as well. But there was a few downsides with that helmet that we wanted to address with ours. The main thing being a a rigid neck seal. So during that time, the only thing that they were solving for uh, when they developed their hood was the the pressure ulcers to solve that. But then there was new research that came out during COVID which showed that proning patients actually improved lung function and gas exchange. And it, it was, I'm not sure if it, the research came out during COVID, but it became people became more aware of it, and actual um, there was a lot of evidence that started popping up during COVID. So we saw that, and that's when the doctors came to us and said, "We want something like this hood, but without this these rigid components on them." So that's where our design came from. So we've the first thing that was being used was these masks, and then helmets came in. And we've kind of developed a a newer, better version of the helmet. That's where uh our differentiator is.
1: I guess to build up on that, mm-hmm. where do you see scale play? What's what's Yeah. With houses scales. mm
0: mm-hmm. Um it it's gonna be like we're just going to be selling to directly to the hospitals. So when when we are ready to scale, it'll be more of, more so of a of a manufacturing um, thing. And the the manufacturing overhead is quite simple. So we most likely have to find a manufacturer that could do large scale manufacturing. So that'd be one problem that we would need to solve. Um, but then to actually scale up. It would be getting more hospitals on board and what i've heard is when the hardest part is getting your first like first few customers in the hospital uh, hospital game at least so no one wants to be the first one to try out a medical device so the scale part doesn't seem as challenging as getting those first you know 50 customers or first 50 hospitals to try to use our device so once Um, once it becomes kind of accepted by these like key opinion leaders or thought leaders in the field then um, and we start publishing more about it and one of our goals is to generate a lot of evidence and publish around this technology as well so that'll lead heavily into adoption so we're gonna start doing these studies start working with physicians and get these thought leaders on board and then once that happens it it scaling up will be more so a manufacturing and distribution thing after that
1: Mm -hmm. to begin closing off the conversation i I understand that you've really based the last few years of your career and education off of your unique experience with clarivant but Mm -hmm. There's such demand for, I guess, biomedical engineers, at least as I perceive, because there's such an interest in biomedical technology in the years post pandemic. So why not go to an already established company and, you know, have a comfortable, uh, and still productive and creative life with another company? Why go with Clarivan instead with all the seemingly insurmountable challenges that we already listed in this conversation?
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I, I worked with a couple, like during co-ops. So, so during my internship times, I worked with, um, different scale companies, like some small companies, some large companies, some research labs. And there was this level of monotony, which came with it, where I was just being told what to do. I did it and I wasn't thinking about it afterwards, which was nice. But I also saw all these people working on startups and working on their own businesses and working in that whole startup field. And as I got more integrated into it and as I was talking to these people, I just saw such a level of excitement and I was like, I want to be part of this group of people. They're so excited. They're so youthful and there's so much, there's just so much um curiosity. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I was like, I want to be part of that group of people. <laughs> so um now that, i kind of am part of that group of people i can see the excitement around it where there's yes there's the uncertainty and yes there's the it's like very risky and all that but all that just outweighs well the the excitement outweighs all that it just keeps me it gets me out of bed like i'm so excited every day to be working on this um and i mean i'm not the only one working on it i have my co-founder, Viona, as well, like, and then, we have some physicians who are on our team, as well, and that, um, you know, tight-knit team, um, and ownership of a project, like, it, it's just so much more exciting than when I was working at a company where I felt, didn't really feel that ownership, didn't really feel any responsibility, um, so, yeah, that, honestly, that's it. Maybe in the future when I, (laughs) when I don't have this energy anymore, I'll go work at a bigger company. But right now I feel like I have so much opportunity to do something risky and do something with um so much uncertainty because I don't have too many other responsibilities like a family. So I just want to take advantage of that now and then maybe in the future I'll do something a bit more stable. Mm-hmm.
1: So before we close off, I always give our guests an opportunity to plug their pluggables what can the audience do for you to make sure that claravent helps people breathe better and also mm-hmm. potentially i really hope helps them scratch their noses while they're <laughs> walk while, while they're their through <laughs> yeah i mean our, our biggest
0: challenge now and always is uh financial stability so um i don't want to i don't want to say we're like looking for investment here but we're looking for investment <laughs> Um, but then besides that, we're also always looking for, um, physicians, like we want, we want constant feedback. So physicians, nurses, RTs, like those are the kind of people we want to talk to right now. Um, and also people in just in the hospital network kind of higher up. So people who deal with purchasing, um, so we're really trying to talk to as many of those people as possible because we want to develop, like in the, at the end of the day, we're developing the device for them so we just want to get as much feedback as possible so yeah like if you know anyone or if anyone listening knows anyone uh in respiratory care or in the healthcare field yeah we we would love to talk to them
1: sounds great thanks for the chat Yeah. yeah thanks guys thank you for tuning in to this episode of how it's med If you liked what you heard, the best way to support us is to go to your podcast platform, be it Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever you like, and to give us a rating and a recommendation or a comment so that others can best find us. If you can't do that, then we'd really appreciate it. If you could share your favorite episode with those that you care about and who you think would find our work interesting till next time.